So we've got Dan with us today. Why don't we start, Dan? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Dan. I'm from Everyday Church in South London. Good, my boys. Good, good. Uh, I'm a pastor there. I'm 29. Got a little boy and a wife and another little baby on the way, which is really exciting. So yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, do you not know that? Well, there you go. Excellent. So Dan, the topic we're looking at today is about kind of friendship. Um, and I suppose how can we... How can we have friendships that help us in our walk with God rather than hinder us in our walk with God? And so I guess really what we want to do today is hear a little bit about your story. Um, but I guess what might be helpful is just give a little bit of context in terms of like, for you, when did you become a Christian? Did you grow up in church and kind of know church in that kind of way? What's your kind of story um, of kind of when you became a Christian and how it looked before then? Yeah, so I, I, um, I did grow up going to church. My dad um, became a pastor when he was quite young. Um, and so we always got brought to church. It was like this kind of standard thing. But um, I hated church. Like, I don't, know, I don't know your experience of church, but church for me was just something we had to do because mum and dad took us. It was boring. I didn't like Sunday school because it felt like school on a Sunday. And I didn't like school. Sunday weekends were like, supposed to be time off. And... Um, I just, I just didn't feel engaged in it. There wasn't a lot of kind of reaching to um, young people at the church at the time. Um, and so I think, but, but I did engage. We used to go to something called Stonely um, before there was New Day. And I used to find them quite helpful and did engage with God um, and definitely got filled with the Holy Spirit as a young guy and started getting prophetic words and stuff. And But I think once I hit, teenagers so kind of 12 to 14 years came to the first ever new day um got evacuated by the army because of rain it's quite quite traumatic it's good though and had an amazing experience there but I was right on the verge at that point of working out um because you can start making your own decisions kind of now you're at that age 12 to 14 where you can start deciding what you want to do your parents start letting you grow up a little bit and I think I was um I didn't have any friends at church really mainly because I just didn't get along we went to quite a Quite a posh church, I'd, do you know what I mean by that? Like, not in a, not in a bad way, but, but there wasn't, the type of friends that there were, were very kind of into their Bible, into, into, which just wasn't where I was at, into education like that. They weren't the type of people I would have hung out at school. And I just didn't find I fit in. I was quite rebellious, a little bit naughty, um, and just found I didn't really have fit in at church. I didn't like the kind of church setting. And so I suppose most of my friends would have been school. All of my friends were around school. None of them went to church. That was the environment I found myself in, loved being a part of. Um, and so as soon as I could stop going to church, I did. I just didn't really want anything to do with it. Mum and dad would make me go um, for, for a while. But probably when I was about 13, 14, they gave me some freedom to kind of do what I wanted to do. And um, so I started doing a paper round on Sunday morning instead to earn a bit of money. Um, and just didn't didn't go to church anymore. Just didn't want to. Just didn't want anything to do with God. My granddad died when I was about thirteen, and I I was quite close to him. I just didn't handle it way well. I don't think I had a. Um, he got cancer, and he was one of the elders. He was only like sixty four, so he went that old, and I just couldn't quite reconcile him getting really ill and dying, and him being a, someone that loved God and pursued God, and just in my I just didn't have the maturity then, or kind of the outlet somewhere to go with it, where I could work out how would God let that happen, and so I thought, well, if there is a God. I mean, he isn't that bothered about me, so I'm not that bothered about him. And for me, Christianity was just rules. Like, it was just a bunch of rules, which my mates were doing whatever they wanted. 
and could, could, could mess about. And something of me being a Christian meant I couldn't do what they were doing. And that seemed to be the only reason, you know, like their parents didn't seem too fussed about what they were getting up to, going out and to the park or whatever and kind of drinking and all that stuff. And yet because of my Christianity, I wasn't allowed to do that stuff. So I thought, well, if all Christianity is a bunch of rules that kind of make your life a bit more boring, sack it off. Like, I don't want nothing to do with that. And I, I mean, how, how long is going to be? Like, just, just go with it. And so I think for me where it really kind of went wrong um, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but especially with lads, like when, when you're kind of younger lads, lads talk a lot of rubbish, yeah, but I don't know, I, d- I don't think I kind of knew they were. At my church, they wouldn't really talk to you when you're young about sex and masturbation and things like that. I think it was a kind of slightly different time, and, and I had a lot of questions, and it was stuff I was working out. I was very sexually aware quite young. I'd been exposed to porn um, through some friend's older brother, just we ended up nicking his magazines. You didn't have kind of phones you could look at it then. But we kind of saw that. So very young, I was very kind of aware of that kind of stuff. And everyone was talking about how they were messing about with girls, which I didn't know at the time, but it's rubbish. Boys pick it up and kind of say they're up to stuff that they just ain't up to, um, just to kind of seem like the thing. But I thought you kind of have to be. And I used to, um, I ended up sleeping with someone at 13 in our youth group. And um, way too young to kind of be getting into it. And to even process it, like, you kind of think it's not a big deal, but it really is. Like, it, you're, you're going into an adult world. You're just, your mind, your body, everything just isn't ready for. And it got found out, um, and I didn't think it was that big a deal, but the church did think it was quite a big deal. And it got back to my dad, and it became very, very public. And, man, I just got um, judged um, you know, generally people, and I understand now, being older, why people were upset and why it was a big deal. But I think as a 13-year-old lad, I couldn't get, all I felt was condemnation, judgment from people that I knew weren't perfect themselves and who wouldn't talk to me about this stuff. All they would do is tell me off for being involved with it, but wouldn't explain to me why this was wrong. Why does God want something different? Why is he more than just a bunch of rules? And so I just became even more alienated to the church and closer to my friends who were saying, great, <laughs> you know, they're bigging it up. Wow, you've had sex, that's amazing. Kind of, they all want, you know, they're all kind of bigging you up and thinking that's great. So for me, I just totally went away from God because it just seemed like some just place of judgment and condemnation. And, and, um, and I just think as a young guy, I just didn't know how to work that out. Um, so yeah, that's where I was, yeah really helpful so I guess let me ask you a a question around then some of the stuff you just shared you were talking about um one of the way your friendships really influenced you when you were 12 to 14 was this kind of um dynamic of where kind of bragging about what they were doing with girls or whatever obviously most of them not telling the truth but you're assuming it is that led you to kind of push into things how else would you say your friends really influenced you when you were in that age group I think I always wanted to be popular, you know, like you want that in it. You want to be, you want to be liked, you want to be known in school. And my school is, um, it's quite a working class, like kind of um, uh, like a little bit rough school when I went there initially, especially in year seven, like you just got initiated by the year 10s and 11s. Eventually they made different toilets um, because you were terrified to go toilet in year seven because you just get beaten up by the year 10s just because you're in year seven. <laughs> Unless you knew someone's older brother, which I had a few mates like that and they'd kind of look after you a little bit. But you just get caught in a toilet and you realise your mate's older brother right now and you're like, oh. <laughs> and I mentioned, <mean>, run. <laughs> and you just hold on to it and try and wee around the back of the basketball courts or something. But... <laughs> 
But it was, so it was, it was a, but, so you just wanted to be popular. You want to be liked, you want to be with the guys who are going to look after you, you kind of want to be rough and ready. And I think it meant then, I just, as a young lad, I was very curious and just had no um, resilience to peer pressure. Just, if someone was going to ask me to do something, I'd do it. I was like, I'd do anything. So when my mates started smoking weed, I'd smoke weed. When my mates were drinking down the park, I would drink down the park. When there's kind of opportunities of girls, I'd go with it. I just didn't have that kind of, for to say, no, I wanted to fit in. And if they're doing it, that's what I've got to do. I've got to, I've got to be in the middle of it. Um, I think I just had this real lack of identity. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I, because I'd had this church thing, this friend, I just think I never knew where I fitted in. So therefore, I just didn't have the self-confidence to say no to something, even if I kind of thought that might not be right, or is that the right thing to do? Because obviously I'd been raised by my mum and dad with good morals and kind of this thing's right and wrong. But I think because I just didn't have the self-confidence or the, I give all the bravado, like I come across a confident kid, but I think I was just quite a scared, um, lost kid and just didn't know how to say no um, and just wanted to fit in, kind of whatever the cost really and whatever the cost to my self-respect or identity. So I think my friends had a big influence on me in, in just peer pressure really, just in kind of giving into lots and, and getting on with it. Yeah. Another question I've got is obviously you've kind of painted a picture, of, so you grew up in church, so you knew people in church and yet kind of you didn't really feel like you had friends in church. Your friends were in school and outside of that and the people in church were almost like these judgmental, you know, kind of people that just looked down on you and told you off all the time. I guess there's probably quite a few people in the room that that may have similar stories in terms of like, you're in church, you're in youth group, but you wouldn't feel like your, your mates are there, your mates are all in school. What would you say, what kind of, would you give any kind of, if you could, t- if, if 12 to 14 Dan was in the room, what advice would you give you in terms of how to handle that? Yeah, it's a really hard one. Um, because I just think you, you connect with who you connect with, isn't it? So there's, there's easy answers. Like, um, if I could go back and talk to myself, I'd say just stick with it. Like, find a kind of way. In. But, but that's, when, when you are, you know, 12 to 14, that kind of age group, and there just isn't people you connect with, that's hard. And I think you feeling like an outsider is horrible, whatever age you are. Um, but... I think what I've learned as I've, as I've grown up, and especially then as I've, I've become a Christian, maybe we'll touch on that in a little bit, um, is just who Jesus is and who Jesus is for you. Because you don't, you don't leave that, even when you get older, there's still moments where you feel uh, an outsider or you feel a bit left out and it might be in the workplace, it might be something else, I'm not sure I fit in here. Especially if you're going to follow Jesus. Man, the, the point of following Jesus is sometimes you're going to be on the outside. Because you might be in a workplace where you are the only one that follows Jesus. You might be at your university and you're the only one that follows Jesus. And at some point you have to make a decision. Is Jesus Lord of my life or are my friends and what they think of me Lord of my life? And kind of all the stuff that comes with that. And I think because I never really got who Jesus was then. And I think it's because, you know, my, my church was growing in how they do youth. I lead our youth now and it's, it's come a long way. But I think we... I think so often in church, all I knew was the stories. You know, I knew about David and Goliath, I knew about Noah's Ark, I knew, this kind of, I knew Jesus was a baby that we talked about at Christmas. And then at some point he was a man and he died and rose again. But I never knew Jesus. Like really, who is Jesus? What has he done for me? And who am I to him? You know? And when that started, when I started to get that, and when that changed, that, that I'm a son of the living God. He pursues me, he loves me for my imperfections, my... 
um, the bits that are good that he's created about me, the bits that no one seems to like. And I found that peace in him. It's, it then becoming, do you know what? It's like what, you know, TJ spoke the other day, and he talked about a kingdom mindset. I started thinking about, man, do you know, I want to live for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And my friends, and kind of maybe work later on in other places, they want me, because they are as well, to live for the kingdom of man, because that's all there is to them. But I'm living for something greater. And, you know, if sometimes that means I'm sitting on the outside of some things in this life, I'll do it to be sitting in with Jesus Christ. And you know what? All that really matters, and all that matters to me now, and it took a journey to get there, is what Jesus thinks of me. And one day I'll be with him in glory, and there'll be no such thing as popularity, because we'll all get on. Everyone who's there will just be together worshipping Jesus in total unity, whatever your background, whoever you are, um, wherever you've come from. And I think it's getting to that place where genuinely is Jesus Lord of your life, is... um, is what, can, is what can change your perception when you're struggling at church around people, do I know them, do I love them? And then you start looking at people. So, you know, I'm still, I'm back at that church, yeah, the same church. And it's still, a, um, it's still quite a church where I initially started going there. I didn't think I fitted in. When I first started preaching there and stuff, the first thing they said to me is, Dan, put on a shirt and drop the slang. And I was like, okay. And I had to start preaching this kind of certain way. And I was so uncomfortable. We've got some amazing theologians in my church and stuff. And I'm trying to be this, come across this proper educated, clever guy and fit in. And so this is me, a Christian now. And in church, and in church, I'm still finding. I'm sitting on the outside. And I've got to somehow fit this mold. And in one day, I just got given a free preach. And like, well, I didn't have any of that. And I just went for it. I just went, what was on my heart? And something out of scripture. And just fall down. All the kind of, I used to be a mechanic. All of the kind of language I used to use then was coming out. And just, and just suddenly I connected with people in a new way. And eventually they've let me lead an evening service and start something where we engage more with young people and bring people through. I got to lead our youth group. Where actually, it's not that there's something better about what I'm doing or something better about what the people who are different are doing. There's something about there is there is, there is something glorious in diversity and bringing in whether that's race, whether that's class, whether that's education, wh- whatever that is, gender, there's something glorious in diversity. And when we're allowed to be ourselves and who God's made us to be, um, whatever that looks like, there's something beautiful when a church comes together to do that. And so I, as I've got older, I found that and I found my voice and I found confidence in who God made me to be and in how I read the Bible and how I express the Bible um, that actually fits with the guys who are different to me. And there is a new wave of young people and, and people my age and my mates even that will now come to church because they're feeling represented as well. So I think that's kind of where we've gone to. And I think it means for our young people, actually, we, we have our youth group now is as diverse as it gets. Like there, there, is, there, is, there are young people who've been in church forever, incredibly middle-class kind of backgrounds. We've got young people that come from the care home I work in that, that are gang-groomed, are like don't go to school, anything like that, and they're, they're coming, and they're all mixing out, and we're hanging out, and it's, and it's beautiful, and so I think there will be someone then now for anyone, if you don't get on with that group, well, there'll be someone else you can get on with, but actually what I do see in our youth group, and in particularly this age group, is young people getting on with each other, whatever their background is, because their connection is in who is Jesus, and honestly, my teaching to this age group, that are in my youth group, and I suppose then to you guys now, is you're never too young to start reading your Bible and learning who Jesus is and to start asking questions. That's so key. Questions, 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 whenever you get stuck. And once you start learning who Jesus is and therefore who you are in him, 
actually the lines between what makes you different start to fade away and you find your common ground in Jesus. And I see it in our youth group. It's, put, it's actually majority kind of young, most of this age group at the moment. And they're, they're all hanging out. They're all together. They're all hanging out. They're all loving Jesus. And they're building up and encouraging one another, walking through their struggles of what school's like. And yeah, yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. Really helpful. Um, <clears throat> oh, a little clap for you there for that answer. Oh, I don't think we've had a clap to an answer yet. It's kind of more at the end. So there you go. That must have been a good answer. They're engaged and engrossed by it. Um, I guess then, tell us a little bit about, so you obviously became a Christian. Otherwise, it'd be a bit weird that you're here speaking. Uh, and now, <laughs> yeah, still don't know Jesus. Um, what would you say, I mean, you know, you can share a bit about how that happened. But I guess for me, one, one key question is like, what would you say you've spotted is the difference between friendships before you knew Jesus and friendships now that you know Jesus? Yeah. I think, um, so I became a Christian when I was about 21. I went on an um, alpha course because the girl I was going out with, who, praise God, is now my wife, um, she started having a lot of questions, and particularly around hell. Um, she she, she um, was pretty sure she was going to heaven because she was like, a good person and had that going on. And I, um, in, in my grace and my desire to be a good boyfriend, for some reason told her she's not, she's definitely going to hell because the only way you get to heaven is through um, faith in Jesus, what the Bible says. I don't know why I said it. I know this is obviously something like that was there in my past. I'd kind of seeped in, but I said, Bible says only faith in Jesus they can get you there. If you're not following Jesus, you can't get to heaven. And so she, I know I didn't think anything of it. I just thought it's what the Bible says. You just chill and um, like, let's, let's not ask about this. She freaked out. Yeah, totally freaked out. And so we went on an alpha course because she's going, I've got to get answers to these. And so, um, so I think what was different this time round was we started with the questions of who is Jesus rather than responding to hype. Because I've been to New Day a few times as well in my days of walking away. I run to the front a few times. You get caught up in it, don't you? Like there is something powerful about New Day and all that stuff. So I've run to the front. I've done all the responses, but I got home. And I think the Christian life lasted Five days max, you know, because life hits again, you know, and church is still boring and um, my friendship mates and my friendship groups and I still didn't really know who Jesus was. I kind of responded to some of the hype and, you know, definitely the Holy Spirit, something that you encounter when we're with other people that love Jesus. So it was different because I started, rather than starting with hype, I'm starting with who is Jesus um, on an alpha course and just asking these questions and then decided I'm in I made that decision not because someone had pressured me into it not because I was responding with a group of friends it's just me and my missus and she went full in she got filled with the Holy Spirit and was like just all the way in and done it took me a little bit longer because um I was thinking you don't know what's gonna have to change though love like I wanna (laughs) I wanna take my time with this and once Jesus totally grabbed my heart that's when things changed. Because actually my friendship groups, some of them did have to change. There were friendship groups that just were not good for me. Like the only, my only context of friendship was then was um, mostly around going to football, going to see football, like going to watch Chelsea. And just the environment that came without heavy drinking, drugs, all that kind of thing. And I didn't have any other context of friendship with them. And they, I just had to get away from that. I couldn't be out with them and not jump in. And so initially that's why I served youth as well, because like, it kept my Friday nights busy. I had a good mate of mine who was doing youth, and I just wanted to get myself around other people. So even serving, um, you're never too young to start serving in the church. It's a really good way to get to know people. Like, you just end up getting shoulder to shoulder, kind of serving along, or being part of a youth group, or something like that. Find them where you can connect with other people. 
And then I joined a midweek life group as well, like connect group, whatever you call them, like house group, which just meant we started to get to know some of the people. And they weren't all like me. Some of them were older, some of them were same age, whatever. But it just meant every week we're spending time with a group of people who are all trying to help you build towards knowing Jesus more. So good friendships we're creating. But most of my friends still, you know, aren't, and still aren't Christian. And we didn't cut them all off and just go, right, Jesus, now everyone leave me. Um, God calls you to be in the world still, doesn't he? Um, and I'm still best mates with them. I was groomsman of my mate the other day. And, and one of, in fact, one of my friends, best mate from school, who I've just always been my mate and um, who I've always got a lot of trouble with, I did his granddad's funeral. Like, none of them are Christian. All like proper working class group. And they, um, they just, I'm the only like religious person they know. I think they would have asked a guy from the mosque if they knew someone from that. They just, like, sometimes you're just their religious mate, aren't you? Like, they don't have any other context for what that is. And they said, Dan, you can do funerals, can't you? I said, well, I've never done one before. You'd be like your vicar, ain't you? So, kind of, yeah. <laughs> just, um, and they said, like, will you, will you do your granddad's funeral? And I was, you know, I had this kind of turmoil because I'm thinking, but I, I kind of, I know he didn't know Jesus. And how do you kind of work that out? And I thought, you know what, though? I love him and I just want to serve him. Um, and I went, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give them blatant hope for where he's gone, because unless he had his faith in Jesus, he, he won't have gone to heaven. But you don't know what people do on their deathbed. You have to trust God with people's salvation. You really do. So I just gave hope. I, I shared scripture. They really let me kind of, in a gentle way, bring the gospel and comfort. And I was in a pub with them afterwards, and they're doing a big, um, you know, wake thing. They're all kind of getting on it. And... Um, so this is how far God's brought me, because I, I used to couldn't be in that environment. I just had to get out of all the rave scene, get out of everything like that, because I just didn't have the self-control. But God's brought me in a long way, and so I was in that. And, um, and I know I, I can be in that environment and not, not go overboard with getting drunk or anything like that. And I'd just be sitting down with them, and a few of them, because they knew me from school. A lot of these guys, my old schoolmates, haven't seen by them. So this is, I am the last person who would think would be leading a funeral. This is, all they know is Dan, who was just on it all the time like on something messy and so they're sitting down and going dad how comes you're into all jesus now and doing all this like where's this come from and i was just able to share the gospel <laughs> i just said well well let me tell you who jesus is and i just told them what i learned on alpha course yeah because they're interested and i love this about the working class because none of them have been to university i sometimes find i'm not knocking university at all like you you do what God's calling you to, but sometimes in university you get taught scepticism a little bit, and you get taught to kind of be suspicious of everything and skeptic. The working class haven't got that. They, they, they just kind of, are, generally is what I find, it's very general, um, just going through life and kind of um, just happy with anyone, or meet anyone very friendly, and I find these guys were all incredibly open. There wasn't this, I'm used to talking to atheists, and when people are asking that question, it's loaded, because I worked in like an office block and that for lots of people, very educated and um, normally those questions are loaded because they've got a whole load of answers of how you're going to come back at a Christian answer, yeah? These guys genuinely like... And it's because they'd seen my life change. And this is a key thing as well. Your biggest key of evangelism is how you live. You know, you can say whatever words you want. If your life doesn't match it, um, people don't always take note. But they could see something's changing me. And we're having a chat. And I just tell them who Jesus is. I shared the journey of how I discovered Jesus was more than just a man, shared about a bit about the history about it, shared how it's transformed my life and why I live into someone else. And do you know, they're all asking the same questions. All of them are trying to explore something of spirituality. They're aware of something's out there. They're aware the way they're living ain't bringing them the satisfaction that they think it should. 
And rather than be like the sore thumb, I found myself sitting on this table with about 20 proper geezers around me, listening and questioning the gospel. And in those moments, I would, like, early in my walk, I would never have started talking out. I don't know, I don't even know if I am a Christian, really, or something. Because I think, you're going to take the mick out of me. They're going to proper take the mick, they're going to rip into me. Oh, he's a Jesus boy now, and he's, um, he's soft, and he... And, but they wanted to know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm sharing the gospel, and they're all around, and they're sapping it up. They're listening, and they're absorbing it, and we're, we're talking about how Jesus is Savior. And I remember even another story. When, so I was a mechanic when I got saved, worked in the book. Now, the workshop environment's like an interesting one. Um, I became an apprentice when I was 16, yeah? So at 16, you're chucked into a very adult world. You, you see a lot of stuff as a... And you're, you just... Being an apprentice, you get bullied. It's like part and parcel of it. It's character building is what they call it. And uh, um, kind of bringing through. And I tell you, when I became a Christian, so 21, in the workshop, suddenly I'm following Jesus. And suddenly I've decided I'm not going to sleep with my missus anymore. Like, God really convicted me and missus on our relationship. The drinking, the partying, the drugs. And the biggest thing for them was... Um, I stopped swearing, and I didn't even realise this happened, yeah, like, I used, to be, I used to be real, just, every other word was swearing, it's just what we kind of brought up around, and all friends, and something had changed in me, where suddenly I'd stopped swearing, and it wasn't a conscious effort, I think just as your, God does a work in your heart, doesn't it, and shapes it, and they go to me, Danny, don't swear anymore, like, what's happened, like, I was, I was using words like flip, or flip, <laughs> like, and they're like, what? that's a bit polite, Dan, like, you're gonna, what's happened to you? And, um, and when I started realising they're taking notice of my life, I, I got a bit scared because I thought, oh, they're going to rip it into me. And they did. And they, you know, they, <laughs> let's, not, let's not lie about it. They did take the mick and they did, you know, I was Jesus boy now and they were all the questions. But man, I just had such an opportunity because of the way my life changed to show them who Jesus was. And really... If it, was, if it is all true, if Jesus is who he says he is, and I had suddenly encountered Jesus is Lord more than that, my, I'm a total sinner and therefore can get nowhere near heaven. It's all real. I'm stuffed. But because of what Jesus done, I'm not stuffed. And my face in him means I'm going to heaven. That's good news, isn't it? That's really exciting. And if you've suddenly believed that as your truth, man, you want to talk about it. You can't do nothing else but talk about it. And so, and I'm always a bit of a talker. You can kind of tell that now a little bit, innit? I've given, taken a mic, that's why there's only one mic. I'm telling <laughs> but yeah. but I, I, just, I just wanted my friends to know him because they're my friends. I love them and I care about them. And the ones who weren't muting my friends didn't stay around. And that's okay. They were never my friends anyway. They only liked Dan because he was a party animal. Well, if I'm not that and they're not my friends because of that, fine. They're probably not that good in my life anyway. I pray for them that God will offer them all the best, but that's okay. Not, not everyone in your life needs to be in your life, yeah? My security has to be in a firmer place than, than based on my friendships. But the ones I cared about and the ones I'm working with, I'm thinking, I want you to know this as well, you know? I want you to know Jesus. And I was barely reading my Bible. I didn't know much about it at that point, but any little bit that I knew, I just found I've got to share. And when they're asking the questions or taking the mic, I was fine with it because actually... What are we living for anyway? And, you know, I even caught up my old mechanic friends. I haven't done that for a while. I've done various different jobs since, got into sales and different things, and then I've been a pastor, like, working for a church the last four years. And we caught up the other day, and, um, again, they've just noticed a drastic change. It's probably been five years since I've seen them, and we've all gone to the pub for some reunion thing. And um, 
again, they're just asking questions like, where are you at? And I just had this whole 20 minutes of pure gospel preaching around this thing. And they're listening. It's not even like preachy as in I've got up and Bible bashed. It's come from questions, me really gently, but being prayerful. Lord, will you use me? I'm going to go into an environment where what I believe is weird and, and where they are, and I, I don't know how they'll take it. They're going to want to get smashed. I'm not going to drink. Um, and I've made the decision for those, some of those ones. I can have a beer or two, and I'll be okay. But there's some environments where I just go, Do you know what, I'm not going to touch anything. Um, because one, I just want to, I don't want people to mistake um, me having fun to the beer in my hand. Because um, people do, innit? I could only have one. I could have paced that one the whole night. And because I'm having fun, they think I'm drunk. And the Bible talks a bit about being above reproach and even being... And I just think, you know what? I'm not even going to give the illusion that um, I might have gone a bit far. And Because I, I want to be a witness to these guys. I love them. And I just found I just had just immense moments just in those just to talk about why I'm different, who I'm living for, what's kind of changed. I don't know. Is that all helpful? Yeah. Let me ask you uh, a question then. You kind of, a lot of what you've shared today has been, I suppose, how we can be a good friend to those that don't know Jesus, how we can represent Jesus well. I guess, what about friendships in the church? Let's say, you know, some of these guys, you've come to New Day, your best mates sat next to you right now. You've got the joy of being able to, like, your closest friends are Christians as well. And yet sometimes your friendships don't reflect that. Do you know what I mean? In terms of sometimes our friendships, even as Christians, Jesus isn't at the center of our friendships. It's still kind of really like worldly friendships in a sense. Have you got any advice or input in terms of how can we develop godly friendships within the church? Yeah, definitely. And uh, don't don't mishear me. In everything I'm saying, I'm not saying my only friends are outside of church um, or that they're the only real friendships. Some of my best friends now particularly are, are the people I'd shoulder to shoulder with in church man I need them my brothers my sisters because how can you walk this alone Do you know how can you walk this alone I was doing a preach the other day on Ephesians 6 which is like Paul talking about the armor of God and part of the armor is the shield of faith and the shield he's talking about he would have been looking he was in his prison cell right now so he'd have been looking at a Roman guard yeah and Roman guards they're they're um I don't know if you know much about the Romans probably studying the history or something like that but Romans have these, these kind of shields that almost cover all of you, and they're kind of rounded, yeah? And the reasons the Romans were so successful in battle was because they um, had this thing called a phalanx or something like that. Um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Who's like, you don't know, so let's go with that. It's phalanx, yeah? <laughs> and, um, and basically, they had these big open battlefields, and they would stand tightly together, yeah? So the shields are covering the whole front, and then the guys behind have got the other ones on top like a turtle. They're totally covered. And so the whole march into battle, normally the tactics of the enemy at that point is they fire arrows in. So you've wiped out most of the kind of infantry swordmen. By the time they get to clashing with swords, hopefully loads of them will die. Well, the reasons the Romans were successful, by the time they got to the point where they're slashing with the swords, none of them have been hit. Because their brother next to them is protecting them. The brother next to them is protecting them. Brother ne- and they're just standing together, shoulder to shoulder, shield to shield. And so Paul, in the armor of God, is giving this as an example of the shield of faith. So we can't take that just to mean it's a solo protection. Because all through the book of Ephesians, he's talking about unity in the church between Gentiles and Jews, standing together, being brothers and sisters. And, uh, and he's talking about going to battle. And you need your Christian friends next to you in battle because school is hard. And life is, there is never a point in life where it gets easy to be a Christian or easier to share your faith. You'll never reach that moment 
where it's suddenly easy. It just isn't. The enemy hates you. The devil absolutely hates you. And he wants to do all he can to get you away from God, to get you away from friendships that will be good for you, to even persuade you there is no God, to persuade you he doesn't even exist. So you just go through this aimless life being tired to the earth. But when we're focusing on serving the kingdom of God, you're very aware of the battle you're walking into. And you know that is not a battle you want to fight on your own. And God hasn't called you to. That's why he gives you the church. So your friendship, these friendships, are key and so important. And God being at the center of them is so important. Have fun. Make jokes. Mess about. Go with them factory. Go live lounge. Have it. But pray together. Talk about what you're reading in the Bible. Don't let that just be a church thing. Let that be part of your friendship. Why? Because you love your friend. Because your friend loves you. And because life's hard. And you're going to get knocks. And you're going to get hit back. And your faith's going to be tested. So you need your brothers and sisters standing next to you in the battle. Encouraging you. Lifting you up. Putting their shield over you. You putting your shield over them. And you standing through the highs and lows of life. Rejoicing together. Crying together. And your youth leaders. Do you know? They're not just adults that are just around to to be here just because um, someone's made them do it. They love you. They genuinely love you. And I've discovered this. Um, I've still got my, um, so some of the pastors that are in my church, now I'm like pastors with them alongside. They were my youth leaders, yeah? And I never, I never got it, like why they kind of fought for me in the way they did, why they said some of the things they do. And I, being a youth leader, I get it. And I've spent time with them going, I'm so sorry for how I <laughs> pushed you back. I was a nightmare at New Day and things. But thank you for persevering with me, for never giving up, for loving me and pursuing. Your youth leaders love you. And what they say is for your own good, genuinely, they have such a desire to see you walk the walk and to see you reach the end, still close to and loving Jesus. So draw on them as well. Like It's not weird to have a friendship with your youth leader. Draw on them. Talk to them. Let them pour into your life. They've been there, done it, and they kind of know the deal. And they really want to help you kind of work and navigate some of this. Really helpful. Okay, I've got one more question for you, Dan. Um, Obviously, you've shared... Excellently shared loads of really brilliant, helpful things that hopefully for all of us in this room, there'll be things we can take away. But I guess what would you say are the kind of one or two key things you'd want everyone to walk out of here remembering from today? I think it's um, God's been speaking to me loads this week. Um, I think, especially off the back of TJ preaching on that kingdom perspective, that kingdom mindset, I think just to use his language. I think the question you have to ask yourself, yeah, just stepping away from the, from the hype for a moment, stepping away from the dancing and the lights, who do you want to serve? And that's something you, you have to ask deep down. And you might be able to ask it together as friends as well and work this, but who do you want to serve? Like, ultimately, are you just here because someone's pushed you here? Or is there something to who Jesus is? Might he be your Lord and Savior? Might he genuinely be who he said he was? And if he is, then who do you want to serve? Do you want to serve the world or do you want to serve the kingdom of God? Because I tell you, the kingdom of God will last for all eternity. And there will be stuff there we can't even imagine that's to come. And we see some of the kingdom of God now through the prophetic, through healing that we saw yesterday, through counters of the Holy Spirit, and through quiet times of prayer one-on-one. Yeah, But you have to decide, do I want to pursue the kingdom? I've got a kingdom of man that's going to kind of die and go away and you'll have friends that will be tugging you towards and people at school will be tugging you towards the kingdom of man yeah because the enemy wants to, he just wants them to he wants to keep lying to you and say there's something about this life that is all there is and is better than what you've heard preached to you 
And I think the biggest thing I wish I knew at your age was this concept that there is something far greater going on. There is a God that genuinely loves you, and there is a far greater kingdom that's worth serving. And I just wish someone had put that on me and asked me to ask myself that question then. And so I think at some point this week, sit down with your youth leader, with your friends, and just ask that question, what does it mean for you to follow the kingdom of God? And what does that mean when you go home? Because New Day is a beautiful moment of, like a bubble, in it, of security where you can ask these questions where it's safe. But you're going to go home, and you're going to go back to whatever your reality is. For some of you, it's quite easy. For some of you, that would be really hard. And you're going to go back to people that do not have a clue about any of this stuff and don't care about it, and in fact, don't want you to pursue it. So have these chats now for what happens next. What decisions are you going to make? What choices are you going to make? Who are you going to decide to follow? And make a commitment with your friends and with your youth leaders on how you're going to journey through that standing shoulder to shoulder, armor of God on, shields in front of you. How are you going to walk that on Monday to Friday when we get there next week um, to Sunday? And um, yeah, does that make sense? That's good.